Hello, listener, and welcome to Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Harrod, and this is Christopher Taylor. Hello. And this is an RPG podcast where we answer your questions whether you want us to or not. Chris, how have you been this week? I've been well. I've been yeah. busy. We've been writing. We have been writing. We've been writing a lot of role-playing rules together. I have just drunk a metric ton of coffee. Could you have coffee in a ton? A lot of coffee. I've drunk a lot of coffee, Chris, and I'm tripping balls. Yeah, it, it's not exactly the sort of thing you receive in a punnet. I'm coming up hard, is what I want to say. Um, my knuckles my knuckles are white. I can, I, I can taste the lasers, and I'm ready to get euphoric. Oh, yeah. So... Without any further ado, Chris, let's crack on with this podcast. Let's give these hungry baby birds what they want. Oh, the baby birds. So hungry. So hungry. Let's start with a small question. Let's mm-hmm. ease ourselves into this. Oh, like into a hot, greasy bath. Never get into a greasy bath. That is antithetical to the bath. It's aesthetic. got oils and unguents in it. What? Ooh. Tinctures. Tinctures. Well, probably not tinctures. but like Yeah, tinctures, tinctures, oils, unguents, you know. Um, gumption. Anyway, questions. Mm. What is your favourite RPG? Like a small question. Thought I'd lead in something tiny. Uh, that's like the biggest question. That, that's from that's from Reddit, and that's from this is never fun. <laughs> I I don't know what my favourite RPG is, but I'd like to guess what yours is. Do it. Make it happen. And I, th- I think I think you can guess what mine is. Okay. I think. Your favourite role-playing game was the basic role-playing system. Oh, Daddy BRP with his big safe one to a hundred numbers. Oh, oh so oh, safe. Big bearded BRP. Oh, so old. Oh, doesn't tell any particular kind of story. Oh, it doesn't. Ow. It's it simply simulates a fictional world. Oh, rubbish. It's not rubbish. It's very Is close. It not? But it's mm. not my favourite RPG. Mm. Is it Pet- CRPG? <laughs> Complex <laughs> role-playing system. <laughs> it's like that, but with more splat books. It uses a D1000 rather than a D100. Yeah, just just keep it complex. <laughs> it uses a D125. No, my, my favourite RPG is very close to that, but it's Trail of Cthulhu. That's fair. It's a very good game. It is. Why don't you tell people about Trail of Cthulhu? So, Trail of Cthulhu is... A gumshoe rules system, and the gumshoe rules is designed to simulate investigations and to get rid of a lot of redundant checks in games that end up actually stymieing the story, especially in things mm. like BRP, where you've got the awful, awful skill check of spot hidden. <laughs> when you fail to spot hidden and thus fail to spot plot, mm, the game stops. Yeah, and everybody just sort of sits around for a bit going, um, well, let's go and check um, the library again. C- can I make an idea roll? Yes. I mean, that's I guess that's why they have Cthulhu Mythos mm. as a skill, which is the putting together of unconnected information to get to some random conclusion. Mm, sounds a bit reachy. A little bit. Um, but in Gumshoe and mm. thus Trail of Cthulhu, you've got the ability to just say, well, I have ballistics. Thus, I know what there is. I know what the. I, I know the information about guns. Ah, okay. So, like, if if a if a if, if a bullet was shot in this scene, I can tell everything useful about that if it's relevant to the to the ongoing mystery. Yeah, and then if I want to, I can spend a point out of it mm-hmm. to get more detailed information. Mm. So you could find a bullet and just go, "Well, this was fired from a handgun." Yeah, 
um it it's shattered in this way so it's probably been through someone mm-hmm. etc but if you spend a point then you can go well that comes from a cult 1911 and it was fired in rage and oh. sadness oh there's such emotions coming off of this <laughs> um yeah so you can pick up more specific information with those and that's yeah. the that's the knowledge skill side of things okay um and then you've got the general abilities which are things like your health your sanity mm-hmm. and other stuff like mechanics um and that's those are points that you can add to a dice roll mm. so if you've got 10 oh, and you have to hit a task number don't you, you the know, task you number is almost roll always four? four yeah um so you can do that on a d6 fairly easily but you can spend two points of athletics and pretty much guarantee the roll. Yeah. So it lets you guarantee things. But, and what works really well with Trailer of Cthulhu, you can run out of points to spend. Mm. You can exhaust yourself doing it. And you can do nice things like you can spend a point of sanity to make the sanity check easier so that you don't lose more. Yeah. You can so risk sort it, of, as it were. Yeah, so there's a sort of gambling system built onto Which it. Which is fun. And it's very nice for very snappy games, um, and mm. it handles especially Cthulhu stuff very, very well. Yeah, very much so. So that. What do you think my favourite game is? I'd like to think that your favourite game is Dark Heresy. Oh no! But no, I. Why? I, I know it's not, but <clears throat> no, it's why, probably, why would you like to think that? That interesting. I'd like to think that because it's one of the ones you've run for the longest. Yeah, and for you, yeah. Mm. Um. And you've always liked the, the, the 40k world. and Yeah. Dark Heresy is a, a percentile system that runs um, the Warhammer 40,000 uh, setting, which is kind of, if you took an Iron Maiden cover and made it more camp. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not Iron Maiden. What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the... I don't know. I don't know much about heavy metal, but like it, it had a very heavy metal aesthetic where it was all sort of like flaming skulls and... Yeah. Um, Desolate starfields and ash and nonsense, and it just got it. It was very, very silly. Um, and the Dark Heresy uh, permits you to tell a story in that. It permits you to tell one particular story, which is about a group of incompetents being being tasked to um, what's the word? Achieve challenges they certainly cannot. Yeah, and occasionally lose a leg or something with no oversight and no support. Yeah. <laughs> So we are the last line of defense against the darkness that plagues humanity. We have no money, and no one is watching us. <laughs> we're we're from the Inquisition. Please put all your wallets into this bag. Don't look directly at the Inquisition. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, I, I I don't like Dark Heresy uh, systemically very much. I think it's a pretty silly system. Uh, it doesn't tell stories very well. Um, I don't know what my actual ro- favorite role playing system is, and I think that if you have a favorite role playing system, then that only uh, that is a weakness that people can strike. <laughs> they can take that from you. They can take that from me, and they can criticize me for that. So you know, it's like I, I think there's lots of different role playing systems which do lots of different things. I mean, we know um, it's not Shadowrun. No, it's very much not Shadowrun. Shadowrun Fifth Ed is probably my least favorite RPG. <laughs> Wait, no, no, fatal. Ah. Uh. Uh, yes, from another time, another land, or what was what was the other what was the other subhead? Um, Fantasy adventure to adult lechery. Yeah, I think that's the one that people attached to it. Christ, it was awful. Oh, it's just it's the worst thing. Fatal is like um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know the room, the film, the room. Mm. Imagine if the room actively gave you a sort of like aggressive skin disease when you re- when you watched it. 
and was racist. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it, it's it's a role playing game. Uh, I say in the strictest, uh, in the loosest possible uh, sense of that description. Um, it's basically D and D, except um, imagine imagine that someone found D and D at the bottom of a well, and it had it'd been, it'd been written by a racist hermit. <laughs> a well of hate. Jeez, it's so bad. Isn't like it's like it's it's almost not worth downloading it. It is. It's free. It, the, it's crucially, not worth downloading it's it. not okay. It's not okay, and it's very long. It's not even short. It doesn't have the decency to be short. It's like a thousand pages. Yeah, it's not like it's not like satire and trying to make a point. No, it just hates black anything. people and Jews. Yeah, it's just ugh. and women and anything. You you may have heard a game um, discussing anal circumference, and it is fatal. Yep, it makes you roll for your character's anal circumference. Um, and then that comes up in game, and that thing—I thought I think that one fact tells you everything you need to know about Fatal. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Wow. The um the uh there are there are, there are four four types of charisma in the game, um as like vocal kinetic vocal kinetic, and two others, and the descriptor for the lowest ranking vocal charisma is gay. Um, <laughs> Have you met a gay person? A lot of them are very charismatic. Yeah. I mean, quite aside from the homophobia element, that just seems wrong. Yeah, yes. Oh, dear. So, so, somebody I've, needs I've to have a word a with Ellen DeGeneres. Sorry? Somebody needs to have a word with Ellen DeGeneres. I have a question for you, because Go I on. don't know what my favourite RPG is, and maybe maybe one day I'll, I'll learn. But until then, this question comes in from Mickey, who says... I like to think I'm a pretty good role player, but I've aspirations to be a GM for once. However, I worry about making a great narrative for the player to enjoy, or responding dynamically when the party goes off the rails or unforeseen things happen. What's a good way to approach this? Stop worrying. Yeah, but like, how, how Stop about Stop worrying we, and love the bomb. How about we give Mickey some more... <laughs> yeah, have you tried not? Next no, question. But, no, I mean, literally, like, the whole point uh, is to enjoy the explosion, mm. like work with the fallout and the strangeness that happens because you don't have a plan. I would say that there is there is a there is a problem in traditional um, plotting of RPGs in that you plot an adventure and. You call it an adventure, but it is a predetermined series of events which have to happen, which is, I think is the least adventurous thing you could do. Mm. And so, rather than relying on the players to fight, and this is this is this is like GM Zen Koan Grant Howitt number one. If you've read anything that I've written, I imagine you will have heard this before. But rather than right, just imagine me like dressed as a sensei in the woods. Mm-hmm. I've got one of those long beards. That's how I always think of you. Thank you. Rather than waiting for your players to find the adventure, find adventure in whatever the players do. Deep. <clears throat> right? Yeah. It's pretty deep. And I think once... And like to, to make that slightly less wanky, whatever the players do, you find an interesting problem to put in their way. And if, and if you can tie it back into the main story that you've got bubbling away in the back of your head, go for it. Um, also, the other thing which a lot of, a lot of people do is... They don't talk to their players honestly. Like, they won't be like, oh, so tonight's adventure, I was thinking, how about you go hunt vampires? 
and players could be like, oh that sounds like fun and then and then when the guy runs in and he's got and he runs into the tavern and he's got you know his neck ripped out he's like you have to you have to <sighs> in any other situation the characters would be like well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna investigate that that seems really dangerous I like but my neck I like my neck with all the blood in it whereas if you've um you know if if, if if you said up front this game is about vampire hunting, this this session is about vampire hunting, then the players can be like, or the characters, the players can then steer their characters and be like, oh, let's go hunt some vampires. Awesome, that's what we were promised. But yeah, like thinking thinking in terms of rails and of having to steer your players along into things and like having to trick them into things, it's not worth it. No, and I mean, if you are kind of locked to that idea of perhaps through practice or just experience of an adventure that kind of does show you the way there is a way that you can do that and still keep it fresh and interesting go on which is something i actually learned from (coughs) trail of cthulhu hi um (laughs) (laughs) um, which is the concept of a of an overarching spine of the adventure Uh so you think of a start point and an end point and then you just sort of muse on what it takes to get from one point to the end point. You don't necessarily even need to write it down. Just know those points. And then you have core clues. Things that must be found to advance it. Mm. But you can move those clues to anywhere that's logical. Mm. So if you've put a clue in the bottom of a dungeon and the players go, well, I'm not going to that dungeon. That's dangerous. I'm just going to go to the next town over. You can move that clue somewhere into the forest where they get lost, mm. and you you have got that you you retain flexibility by doing that, um, and then you can just say, well, you've you've used a very clever use of your skill there. Um, I'm going to give you this bit of surrounding information, which isn't vital, but gives you more plot building and more avenues for them to explore and for them to mm. screw around in, essentially. And that's a really nice way of giving yourself some structure and feeling a little bit more prepared if you want to. Yeah. Um, while still keeping free and free flowing. Because also, like, um, I used to find it quite good fun. A lot of people enjoy like actually planning an adventure can be quite good fun. Yeah. It can be quite. It can be quite charming. And I think that that's a. Um, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing if you want it. Like if you want to sit down and think about well, like what's what's going on behind the scenes. What's like what 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 sort of cool areas can I imagine? And then you just like and then wherever the players go, that cool area happens to be. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's essentially um, writing a an adventure the same way that Uncharted Three was written for the PlayStation. Mm. You think of some really cool set pieces. And then you think of a way to link them together mm. rather than thinking up a plot and then going, now what fits here? <laughs> you just think up like, okay, I want a fight on a rooftop. Right, yeah. let's engineer a way to get them on a rooftop and put some bad dudes up there. Yeah. Bang, job's done. Absolutely, absolutely easy. And yeah, um, there doesn't have to be a railroad, there doesn't have to be anything past you reacting to what the players do, but if you're worried about reacting to what the players do, then, you know... Um, prep some things beforehand and also talk to them about it and be like okay well, I, I really fancy a fight in a rooftop who wants to fight in a rooftop guys and if, if you if you're enthusiastic a lot of a lot of that will wash on to the players yeah for sure it's just it's so much easier when your players are contributing to what's going on mm. rather than just being receptive 
and it makes it makes your once the players contribute, they have more fun because they're more invested, and it makes you look like a better GM because you have to do less. I have another question for you. Ask I think me. I think Ask that, away. I think that was quite a serious question. That was. Billy writes. All right, gents. Here's one you can have some fun with. Thanks, Bill. That's, uh, that's good of you to, to lead in with that. Aside from that one god-awful Wad Werewolf splat book from the 90s, Australia's had a raw deal as a potential RPG setting. Explain to the folks out there in podcast land, brackets, Podlandia, end brackets, why more RPGs should be set in Australia. Well, I mean, the, the, the first step is that Australia is terrifying. Yes. I mean, it is, it is a death zone. It's, and I don't, I, I don't necessarily mean because of the standard reasons, like it's full of venomous and poisonous creatures. Like, sure, on. they're there, but mm-hmm. they ain't going to kill you straight out. It's the fact that like two percent of it is habitable, and the rest is on fire. The the rest is death. Mm. Uh, you know, you you've got to have a, a satellite chip put under your skin so they can find your corpse. A couple of years ago, when I was living in Australia. A um, an area the size of Wales caught fire, and it was not really in the news. Yeah, that's how that's how often and bigly Australia just catches fire wholesale. The place should not have humans in it, or like certainly shouldn't have as many white humans in there. And it's like we're not built for that shit. We are not. Most of it to doesn't have humans in it. No, most of it doesn't. Um, it is. They we are, we we are all just sort of huddling to the edge. Stay in the water where we can put out the fire. <laughs> I think so, that there is. Um, I think that although I feel intrusive when I ex- even when I explore it because it's quite a private thing. I think that Aboriginal culture is a fascinating thing to 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 look at and be uh, and to draw on for RPG settings. Even though I, I'm not really supposed to go near it, even as someone who isn't of the culture. I think that, like conceptually, there's some interesting things you can draw from there, and the and the idea of like the spirits of the uh, as you, actually as you were saying last episode, Chris, what was it? Um, loci, the, the spirits of a place, yeah, Genio locus. Um, that's an interesting thing. The fact that they that it is entirely full of drop bears and fire volcanoes, not fire volcanoes, sorry, fire tornadoes. Yeah. is is good. Um, it's got varied landscape. It's got uh, rainforests where you can die. Yeah, it's got I mean, deserts if, where if, you can if die. If you want to set yourself a post-apocalyptic game, just modern day, you go to Middle Australia. <laughs> just, just get some dune buggies, and you've got Mad Max. There is a lot where they do that. You know, it's called the the Wasteland Weekender. That is, it's that kind is of rad as hell. It's an interesting idea, actually. It's something, it's something kind of in between a LARP and a, and a, I suppose, like a Burning Man thing. I was about to say he could just wheel straight from there to Burning Man. Well, you don't even need to I, change costume. The deal is, you like you drive there in a weird-looking car, and you dress up as though you're from Mad Max in the wasteland, and you spend the weekend semi-in character. And there's something there's something that quite charms me about the idea of having something semi-in character, where it's not like, okay, um, my name is um, Dag Cracksmash, uh, and I am I'm a raider, and here are my goals: I must get enough water for my family and get revenge on my ex-husband or whatever. That. That isn't your goal. You were just a you're a weird looking person. You can use any name you want and you're there to dick about and pretend that you're in the wasteland for a while. And I really appreciate that freeform sort of play. It's like I I I don't really know much of I don't know I don't have that sort of experience um outside of I, I suppose like raves. Because I used to go to raves when I was a bit younger. 
and you'd dress up and you'd you deliberately dress weird and talk weird and be weird and like they used to do things like uh, fairy markets or goblin markets where you'd go and you would dress as a as a fairy or a goblin and then you would be expected to behave strangely but there was no particular game mechanics to do it and i think that that sort of that play for play's sake is something which we really lose as adults and i something something about that the liberty of being able to go and just play pretend for a while yeah. really charms me yeah, and I mean, as for as for Australia and RPGs, like there are plenty of RPGs that exist that are already set in Australia. There was Rifts Australia. Yeah. Tank Girl. There was that game that was pretty much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but in Australia. That was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It just that was the Australian supplement. Ah, that's the one. Yeah, I think it had Dingo Man. Probably. Kangaroo Boys. Kangaroo Boys. <laughs> Kangaroo. <laughs> Everyone um, in the van. Almost every D and D setting. That's all Australia. Everything. Oh, but right, Dark yeah. Sun. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, where's Dark Sun set again? Isn't that uh, set in Brazil? Some, so much set outside Sutton, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. So Forgotten Realms takes place in Australia. Yep. Yeah. That's, okay. that's cool. why the most famous place in it's called Waterdeep. Eclipse Phase takes place in Australia. Uh, it takes a place above Australia. Okay, right. I mean, I mean that's technically true. <laughs> yep. I've done I mean, much research on this, and I know it to be true. I, I, guess, I guess there's more things above Australia than there are below it. Correct. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. Like the angle's slightly wider above. Anyway. Um, I think that, Billy, you need to be the change you want to see in the world, and I think that you need to create like Australian-focused RPGs. And I know that you've written in twice to say that you hate rule sets and you hate learning rule sets and you hate dice, but shut up and <laughs> do some write work. a role. Pl- do, do, do some work, Billy. Pull your finger out. Write write the role playing system that you want to see in the world. So, like, I want I want well, not Razor Boomerangs because that seems appropriate. I want to appropriate Australia's white culture. So, you know, like wife beaters of protection and yeah. um, like uh, thongs of running and leaping. Which are sandals, by the way, Chris. Just want to clear that one up for you. Thanks, thanks. I have yep. been there. I, yeah, I, I know. do know. Like healing meat pies. Yep. I'm trying to think of anything else that the that ability to afford ludicrously expensive things. Or, but, but like not having a recession power. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got they've got a giant hole in the middle of their country that money comes out of. It's ridiculous. If you've never been yeah. to Australia. Just, just, just understanding the fact that they've they've not had a recession. Also, oh, oh, you were in it's, Sydney, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world to visit or live. Yeah, just four quid for a lighter. Was it four quid? It was four quid for a lighter. I think it was five bucks for a, for a loaf of bread. Right. Like, that's not how. That's not what yeah. those things cost. It was twenty bucks for a bottle of wine. Right. That's insane. And it was, it, yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice wine, but still, it was from New Zealand. It wasn't that far away. <laughs> it was local. <laughs> I think I think people from New Zealand and Australia would disagree with that sentiment. But yeah, I'm I'm saying like from Fr- France, yeah. French wine for us isn't that far away. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, so there are pl- um, there's plenty of there's plenty of Australian stuff you need to look for it and or write it. Casual racism. There's a lot of that. How would we translate into an RPG ability? Um, like like plus one to hit. <laughs> Psychic damage. King punching. 
Sorry, king punching. Sorry, king hitting. King hitting is when you uh, you. Sorry, it's, it's been renamed coward punching, uh, but it was it was a it was a it was a. I want to say traditional Australian pastime where you, a twat, runs up behind someone and hits them hits them in the back of the head so hard they pass out. What? King hitting. Assault. Yes, it's assault, but it's like surprise assault. <laughs> <laughs> You hardly write a letter and leave your card at the door. <laughs> Dear sir or Look, madam, the undersigned here wants to smack you in the bag of the organ until you doth pass out. Anyway, it all seems to be in order. I guess I'll look at this wall for a while. I can fit I, you in I, Thursday I, week. <laughs> I've got a window and a fortnight. Yeah, okay, cool. Ask me a question, Chris. You want a question? I want a question. I want a good one as well. All right, all right. Yeah, How yeah. do you find playing online from Kajata Treble Zero? I hate it. I hate <laughs> playing online. It just, it's so bad. You have to use Skype, which just shits itself to death if more than one person is on there, let, let alone if, you, if you're trying to do video on there. It doesn't, it doesn't flow. You can't get everyone in the, in, in the same place at the same time. People keep dropping out. You have to have as many different copies of the rule books as you have houses you're running in. Um, everyone sounds like robots. And also, there's only one channel of communication. You can't sort of lean over for a quick rules discussion with another player. You have to dominate that conversation if you want to take part in the game. There's only room for one player at once. And I loathe it. However, I am actually we are actually having to do some online playing, uh, some online playtesting for the Spire. So um, I love it. <laughs> it's great. Everybody it's my favourite fucking thing, I can't wait I'm not at all depressed I can't get three people to come to my fucking house once a week <laughs> London has more people in it than Scotland and I can't get three of them to turn up to my fucking house and play a game Yep, so playing online isn't great, is what you're saying here I don't like it, how do you find it Chris? Um, I find it through necessity yeah. I would much rather be sitting around a table and as you say like having multiple lines of communication having body language be a thing mm. um, being able to move whilst DMing would be nice being able to give pauses while you DM as well rather than the players assuming your Skype's dropped out yeah yeah it's just I find it so difficult but there are mm. there are tools there's things like Roll20 Tell us about Roll20, Chris. Actually, you know, I know what Roll20 is, but sell me on it, because I don't like it. <laughs> so the beauty of Roll20 is that it's essentially an online whiteboard mm-hmm. um, where you can put your maps up. Um, if you're very clever, you can do things like Fog of War from video games, so you can put the whole map up and then just reveal what the players can see. Mm. Um, it does contain voice chat, and it does contain video voice chat, which is very nice. However, it requires a ton of preparation. Mm. Um, because if you don't have those maps, then it loses a lot of its charm. All I you're doing you is moving... Use, you could just use an online whiteboard. Yeah, you could do. That would work. Think of it. Um, but that would be... Yeah, that, it does lose a lot of its charm. And like, you, you have yeah. to get little, little cutouts for all the, all the characters and then shove them around a map. Exactly. Um, and then there's uh, Tabletop Simulator. Which is lovely. Which is a lovely program, if anybody hasn't gotten involved with it yet. It's a, it's a 3D physics program, essentially, that works pretty well in VR. Hmm. Um, where you have a virtual table, and you 
pick up pieces and move them around. Um, it works especially well for for board games. Um, yeah. So you can get things like Secret Hitler and all that sort of stuff on there. You can also get Goblin Quest on there. Yeah, someone ported it over, which is and also Honey Heist. No, oh, Honey Heist is on there as well as it. <laughs> Within eight hours of release, someone had ported it over. Nicely done. Along with a, uh, a map of a hotel in Atlanta, for some reason. Awkward. Must just be in the same art folder. I think I think that was like that was that was something they they'd used for heists in the past. Oh, okay. Um, and that's that's a, that's a nice a nice system for for playing games on. But again, it's it's not quite the same. What do you want then? How how could we fix online gaming? Is it smell-o-vision? What I want is a video voice chat program mm-hmm. with easily and graphically configurable audio channels. So okay, so like you can link on... people together. Yeah, so I can I can oh, separate okay. people out and essentially I can send one person out the room, I can just mute them. Mm. Or I can start a prompt that says um, Chris wants to whisper you mm. and then they can hit a button and they can hear the GM but quieter and just yeah. and then just me and that's that, nice that, that sort of thing I want to be able to configure how the audio works because at the mm. end of the day a lot of the games I play don't need a whiteboard <coughs> they don't need graphical representations no not really it's just talking and dice chucking yeah. or card flipping or whatever yeah. um, so yeah it's just about that method of improving interaction with another person mm. which is difficult to achieve yeah yeah I think also just like the playing with randos and also I'm invariably kind of sober when I do online role playing That's which I don't like mistake. I know but like for some reason, when I'm, when I'm online, I, f- I feel more like it's work. Whereas I'm usually two yeah. drinks before I even start playtesting. And like, and I've cooked food, and, and also I get to share food with my friends and they come over, or, or even, even just people, if not my friends, people who are coming over and testing my games. And I get to share food and drink with them and have that, you know, that communion element, and then we share a game together and that's really fun. Rather than sort of taking half an hour to get some people on. And then you sort of shout at each other for a bit, and the Skype drops out, and yeah, yeah. And you have that wind up and wind down period, and it's a whole event, <sighs> rather than being something like, "Oh shite, it's nine o'clock. I've got to be online." Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not as pleasant a thing. And like, and again, as Chris said, you lose body language, you lose pacing, you lose uh, a lot of the ability to act in your voice and the ability to stand in a certain way or use props in a certain way but, but yeah, it just on the, it, uh, on the plus uh, side it does allow people what? like me who live in a goddamn woodland to actually play why don't you play with dogs and deer and wolves because they can never remember the tables <laughs> <laughs> write them down they eat them that's true yeah Stop covering them in delicious paste. No! <laughs> I will never do that. My daddy what is covered a character, his character sheets without jam on it. Oh, My waste. daddy covered his character sheets in sardine paste, and I'll die before I do different. <laughs> I will take this to my grave with me. I'm going to ask you a question, Chris. Question me up. Do it. You won't. Is it possible to create tension it. in RPGs? 
but that risk of PC death? How? This comes from Broken Image 321. Let's go. Oh, yeah, like the song. That, yeah. Ba-da, 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 ba-da. Indeed. Ba-da, 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 ba-da. Should I just wait here? Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Yep, wait in here. Go on. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to do the good bit. Um, ba-da, ba-da. I was kind of hoping you'd keep. Okay, cool. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually I'm going to stop singing Tank now. That's a promise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a promise. I, I don't break my promises. Uh, is it possible to create tension in the RPGs without risk of PC death? How? Yes. Ideally. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have to be putting characters at, at extreme risk of yeah. not playing yeah. to be able to contr- uh, uh, maintain tension. Mm. Um, Kill still, their friends. Yeah, there's still methods hurt, of risk. Hurt their friends. Take their Cru- things. Crucially, what you do is form attachments. Mm. Create things in the world to which they form attachments, and then take or mm. destroy those things. What you want to do is like you you you, you want to present a, a world and a situation where um, the players adore your NPCs and they adore their magical weapons. In fact, if there's one thing a player hates losing, it's equipment. Like, yep. you can kill NPCs. Equipment sucks. Levels? No yep. one likes losing levels. I can't recommend it, because I think it's shitty game design. However, if you really want to punish someone without killing, with them, without killing them, knock off a level. Yep. Straight away. Bung in a wraith. Fuck you. Mm. Still, no, just, don't, don't they as just loot, give them a corgi anymore? puppy. <gasps> What's his name? Gerald. Gerald? Mm-hmm. Is it magic, or is it just like a really cool dog? It's just a really cool dog. Oh man, do I get on with the dog? It loves you. Oh, that's great. I'm going to buy a little jumper. Oh, what sort of jumper is it? Um, it is a knitted uh, Christmas jumper. I know it's not Christmas, but I like Christmas. Has it got like a reindeer on it? Mm-hmm. It's got a reindeer and snowman. And, oh, um, what, do you, what do you feed and it? Like, what do you feed it? What do I feed it? I feed him kibble. And I feed him um, choice uh, offcuts of the meat that I, I cook on the campfire. Because I believe this is a, this is a D&D style okay, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love him. I love Gerald very much, and he's my best friend. And that, uh, everything's fine with Gerald. That's great. He's just been killed by a crossbow bolt. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Everything's fine with Gerald. Nope. He's dead now. No, I'm sorry. You, you must be looking at a different corgi because Gerald and I are actually getting married in Maui. He got consumed by a tarasque. <laughs> he's that, in that ochre jelly. That's really weird. We're on a cruise. I don't quite understand. You must, no, no, again, you, you must have a different dog called You're Gerald. having one of those awful flashbacks to where you remember things were good. You did get married and you were on a cruise. <laughs> now, your corgi is being digested by an ooze. Mashed up in black pudding. And like my, my vision flickers back and my arms just completely... like it, it, It's been almost dissolved down to nothing. Yep. As, as I flash back to my wonderful marriage to a dog. Yes. Build it up, you then see. destroy it. Take it away. There's a there's a great bit in um, Apocalypse World where uh, D. Vincent Baker uh, says that you see, is it Vincent D. Baker or D. Vincent Baker? I think D. Vincent Baker is his anime name. Mister Baker advises um, you should treat your NPCs like stolen cars. <laughs> Drive them into the ground. Yeah, and leave yeah, them under like, a bridge. Like, um, uh, have them resold. <laughs> <laughs> Change their colour. Mm-hmm. Respray them. Change the plates. Change um, the plates um, and then ex- uh, s- sell them in Europe. Yeah, except um, 500 quid off a really shady European man. <laughs> Cut them in half. 
and attach the top half of one to the bottom half of mm. another. Yeah. It's genius. So, oh my god, Im- imagine Gerald's top half on someone else. That's horrible. On the ochre jelly's bottom half. <laughs> Is the ochre jelly an NPC? Yes. The ochre jelly was the king's advisor. <laughs> The king's vizier, and he just and he's just sort of like, well, I say it's it's just like it's got a vizier's hat and a vizier's staff, both of which are rapidly dissolving. <laughs> Did it just eat a vizier? A vizier? Yes, it's completely <laughs> assumed his identity. Goes home, to, goes home to the wife and kids. Puts his little vizier hat on the on the hat rack and just sits down. Huffing in front of a newspaper. It's too much that their kids are half human and half jelly. <laughs> it's like, um. Oh Shrek. my god. Octodad. Yes, but they're, but they're, they're, they're human children, aren't they? No. Are they, are they human children? And no, I think and he's then, got, like, he's got like, half squid, half. Half squid, half octopus children. Because I thought, I thought at the end, like when the wife finds out that he's an octopus, they're like, um, "Hang on!" But if you're an octopus and mum's a mum's a human, how are we born? And then, like, he just looks at the camera and it ends. I'm, I'm sure. Okay, have a look. No, you are right. They are normal. Yeah, because I think that might have tipped her off. Otherwise, perfect ruse. Yeah. What do you reckon the Soka Jelly's um, policies are? Well, I mean, I'm I'm thinking very much a Jafar-like rule. Oh, okay. So insidious. Yeah. Turning it into a snake. Marrying a princess. Yeah. Against her will. I guess, like, the great thing about an jelly is you can just sort of roll it between your hands and it'd turn into a sort of snake, wouldn't it? Yeah. You yeah. can push it through one of those Play-Doh things and have it come out shaped like a star. That'd be lovely! Imagine the star-shaped vizier. <laughs> Yeah, I think we should really be looking at his frankly awful human rights violations. The fact that he's that he's dissolved at least one person. Yeah, Gerald. Oh no. This jelly took that dog from you. Oh no, I remember now. Oh Character god, it's come... motivation. It's come back. I'm going to strangle the shit out of that vizier. All that pain. <laughs> you know, it's no good jelly, you'll lose your hands. Ah, damn. Well, at least get them all. Oh. Yellow and brown. I think I think your hands come off. It's acidic, isn't it? An ochre jelly. I assume. For the for the uninitiated, an ochre jelly is a sort of ambulatory lump. Yeah. It's, it a, nug- it's a nugget of fat. It's like yeah. It's like it's like a load of old fat from cooking, but it's acidic. Yeah, and the colour of advocar. Doesn't really have a real world equivalent, I guess. The uses like I guess like a sponge, but runnier. Yeah, like, it's like, it's like those, the those worm things that vomit their stomach up and then get that stuck on stuff and then fold fold it back inwards. Oh, um, starfish do that. That's yeah. I'm sure some worms do it as well. Gross. I like I like, I like how starfish evolved to the point where that's the, the simply the most efficient way of eating food is for me to vomit up all my guts, all up ons, and then draw them back in. Yeah. You, I, you at which point was that? that? You ever seen one of these big sea, sea cucumbers? I've seen many they're, sea cucumbers. They're, they're just a tube. They're a tube, and they roll forward, and they have digesty bits on their skin, and the food goes through the skin, and they absorb it, and it comes out the back. And they're so docile that um, eels hide in their anuses <laughs> <laughs> to escape predators. Eels will just here. Sorry, back to fatal. 
Oh, like a roomy anus on the sea cucumber, my friend. Yeah. It just spacious. Yeah, I think it's the sea cucumber. It just rolls forward like 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 a sort of a rubberous tube, and a rubberous rubbery tube. The forever butt. (laughs) It's just a butt that rolls forward. I mean, aren't we all? But it's just a butt that rolls forwards, and it's so pessimistic worldview. It's so useless, and like what's the thing? It's horrible to eat. It's horrible to eat. So eels, wanting to avoid prey, uh, predators becoming prey. Will just hang out in its butt for a while, and like, like there was there was footage of it on. I was watching. I was trying to eat my tea. There was there was footage of it, and there were so many eels in it that they couldn't properly fit and turn around. And it's like that can't be great for anyone involved. <laughs> a butt so full of eels. <laughs> Quick, get your pen on the phone. <laughs> Bring a camera, Ma. Get a camera, Mum. Jesus. <laughs> Oh. Oh. Is it possible to create tension in RPGs without risk of PC death? Oh, yes. is it? My Pop friend. some eels, eels. I think, actually, I don't think I want to be in the sort of game where someone's like, cool, eels are in your anus. Well, I've got to rewrite next Friday's game. <laughs> it was just that. Chris navigates to Google Doc and silently, <laughs> furiously deletes 4,000 words. Control A. Control X, I'm saving that for later. Okay, yeah, sure. I, maybe not yours, because that, that strikes me as invasive and possibly, you know, crossing a line that I wouldn't want yeah, to cross. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you would play I mean, sea it's cucumbers. Not, it's not like it's a sex thing. No, you would play sea cucumbers. Oh, then at which point that that's an accepted, you know. I don't think the sea cucumber minded much, honestly. Well, I mean, it didn't does, seem to bother it. Being an, as, as we say, an ambulatory butt, yeah. does, it, does it know there's eels in there? <laughs> it, I don't know. I think it knows that there's... I, I think it knows, but it can't do anything about it. Right. It's so slow-moving, and so just, as as we've said, an ambulatory butt, its defence mechanism is that it tastes bad. <laughs> That's such a bad defence mechanism, because things will try and find out. Well, I think like it tastes bad, and it looks like it tastes bad, and then like you might come up and it's oh, I'll have a bit of a nibble on this. Ugh, don't want any of that. Plus, it's got a load of eels in its anus. I'm gonna leave. Oh, it's like those, like those horrid fish. Uh huh. The the molar molars. No, no. These these oh. are like seriously though. Fuck molar molars. Yeah, but these are like short, fat fish worm things. Oh, the blobfish. No, they uh, maybe their defense blobfish? mechanism anyway is spraying yeah. protein. Protein. Yeah, so they, they spray protein into the water and they make it thick. Oh, wow, really? And slimy. And they are... They oh, look, a hagfish. It's a hagfish. Yes, yeah, a hagfish. They look like mm. they look like bizarre fish dicks. <laughs> and their job is to, is, is, is to make the, the water around them as awful as possible so things can't, get, can't catch them. I don't think that's their job, per se. What else are they for? Well, they eat... They're, they're, they're ambulatory butts. Ambulatory butts, just like everything else. <laughs> well, they're not butts. They they look like dicks. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's the two kinds of things in this world. Yeah, and like that. The only way the only way they come into contact with humans is poor Scandinavian fishermen have to throw them back in the water because they don't know what the hell else to do with them. Yeah, and like they pick it up and it just starts like leaking mucus everywhere, doesn't it? It just ejects it. Ugh. It's it's, it's well, it sprays out. A protein compound 
that mm. thicken that then like when it comes into contact with the water spreads and mm. thickens. The US military have got to be adapting this in some way, right? Yeah. I mean just like fish armor. Oh. Imagine those things just flopping about in the front of tanks. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> just, just like just like sort of tied on with string. Yeah, just like plop 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 spraying protein all the way. I'm not, okay, but actually let's adapt this to D and D. Not many fights take place underwater, and I don't want to fight underwater. However, what if you had a sort of hagfish race? It's oh, already disgusting to think about it. What, what if, if you had a right? Gerald was trying to eat a hagfish. No, and Gerald, choked put it down. on the protein. No, Gerald, put it down. No, he's I, dead. I just managed to somehow revivify him from the ochre jelly incident. Well, now it's a hagfish. Oh, so what? So. I now have a hagfish called Gerald. No. No, no now, now the object of your him. vengeance is a hagfish. Well, you know what? I Favourite enemy, it. hagfish. I adopt the hagfish, put it in a little Christmas jumper, and marry it. Mate, on a, on a it boat. wouldn't stay in the jumper. What if in D&D you had a race of creatures, a bit like the slard, you know, like the, 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 the frog, the troll folk? The death slard. The death slard. What if you had a race of creatures, and when they get freaked out, they... They thicken the air around them. <laughs> Rather than jizzing the oceans like a hagfish. They don't, they don't just, they don't just like, have, have a quick wank. Because, I mean, <laughs> that, that would put me off. But <laughs> yes. More like, like, like the air thickens to the point where, like, you, like, where you slow down so they can get away. And, like, and like, like, they leave patches of horrible, slow air. Thick air. That's kind of cool, actually. Thick air, and like you could breathe it in, but it'd be sticky, and it would really smell of fish cum. Oh, it's not cum, is it? It's just fish protein. Sorry, it's just fish protein. It's it's, it's coming out the sides of them. Yeah, I mean to be fair, they are all penis. I'm just going to Google hagfish real. Quick. Oh, don't! If you're listening now, hagfish. whatever you do, do not type in h a g f i s h. That's hagfish, and look at their horrid faces. Chris, I'm worried about your dick. <laughs> I'm really worried about your dick. <sighs> God, that's so much slime. I didn't think it would be that much. Listen, yeah. please Google hagfish slime. Those things are awful, but they're so slimy. Have you seen their teeth? That's why I was worried about your dick. Yeah, no, I'm saying they're dick-like. Mm. Yeah, they got too many teeth in the wrong places. Yeah, and just searching for teeth in all the wrong places. <laughs> Gobbits of protein. It's, it's genuinely impressive. Like it kills animals. Well, because they because they sort of drown, I guess. Because it gets clogged up in their um, gills. Yeah, so they so they suffocate. So they yeah they yeah. yeah so they can't have so the the oxygenated water doesn't wash over it as regularly. Jesus, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, hagfish, no, no. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, like, Jesus. Like, like, like. Never mind D and D. Like, like having a race of people who who are hagfish adjacent. Not that. I want to have a horror game where um, you're wait where where you're being hunted by one of these fucking things. Hagfish and lamprey. Actually, this oh. would, this this would combine very well with our with our um sunken bunker, our flooded bunker idea from a couple yeah. of episodes ago. Those those mutants have hagfish type abilities. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at an enormous bucket of writhing hagfish. 
Why? Okay. Look, this is great, but we should we should possibly go back to the RPG podcast. We should possibly dis- stride on rather than this abject horror that we've just subjected ourselves Disgusting to. Disgusting maritime facts. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. Ask me a question. How do you make storylines slash quests? Question mark, question mark, question mark. From Celtic Gaelic. We've already answered this one. Have we? We answered this one for Mickey, yeah. That's this one for Mickey. Oh. We don't make storylines and quests. We did. Yeah. It's a similar oh, thing. I would recommend one uh, one little tool uh, to look after is the, the five-room dungeon idea, um, which came out of, I believe, John Four, uh, who spells his name with three N's or two N's. It's a strange spelling of John. Uh, but the five-room dungeon idea is... <laughs> Quickly Googles. So just to break down what the five-room dungeon is, um, there is an entrance with a guardian. That's the first room. And then there's a puzzle or role-playing challenge. Then there's a trick or setback. Then there's a big climax. And then there's a revelation after the climax. So let's um, let's plot one out now, Chris. That could be fun. Right, O-Chimp? Hagfish. No. <laughs> let's Let's stay away from that nightmare. Um, well, we, we can think of a hagfish type in, like, in, no, okay. Um, give me a monster. Um. Mummies! Uh, oh, okay, we're gonna go with that route. I was, I was, I was keeping on the watery route, I was gonna go with Aboleth. Okay, an Aboleth. We need an entrance for the Guardian, for the Aboleth, so I'm, th- I'm figuring out the entrance is, like, there's, there's kind of an ancient temple, which leads down, and like, and like, there's, 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 there's some, there's like, a flooded pool. And it goes down, 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 down. Oh, so like you've got the you've got these like monumental doors, and then three mm. steps down, and it's already underwater. Yeah, for sure. And like that's underneath another temple, underneath another temple, and it's like yeah. secret and ancient and evil. It's temples all the way down. All right, then um, I want you to come up with a puzzle or role playing challenge. A puzzle or role playing challenge. Mm. I've got well, an I idea, mean, but I want to see what you've got. How to get through a room filled with hagfish. Jesus no, but like, <laughs> I was going to go for breathing, but yeah, but that's then, good but they're too, not yeah. going to—they're not going to bite you. Like the creatures themselves, yeah, are not antagonistic. Yeah, yeah. But if you disturb them, they're going to panic, mm. and then that's going to panic all of them, and it's just going to essentially make the water solid. It's like a—it's like the um, the screamer mushrooms. What are they called? How the mushrooms? The mushrooms from D and D, which just. Make a horrible screaming noise when you go near them and it attracts other monsters. Like that, except, you know, lungs full of protein. Oh, that's horrendous. Uh, Next water, three temples down. Oof. Next up, there's a trick or setback. A so trick or setback? Something about the plan has gone wrong. Something the opposite of what the players expected. So I'm thinking that um, it gets incredibly dry... Like, uh, there is a bit where, like, all the moisture gets sucked out of their bodies. Oh. Um, or, like, there's, and, like, there's some sort of, uh, like, they, like there's, there's fire elementals to try and, because water elementals are weak versus fire, right? Or is it, I forget. Um, and <laughs> so, like, 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 the Aboleth has imprisoned some fire elementals down here as, as a final barrier against watery foes. Um, right. And, and so, like, as you, as you fight them, um, like, the, 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 the water starts evaporating out of your body. See, when you said trick, I thought like the scuba gear you rented was full of helium. <laughs> no, it's not a prank. Everyone. 
Not a prank. Okay. Uh, then, then, then a big climax. This is your turn. Presumably the Aboleth. Mm, okay, yeah, you find an Aboleth. What is an Aboleth, just for those... Because, uh, I, I mean, I totally know what it is. Yeah. It's a fish slug sorcerer. Oh, okay, multi-class. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, they're an odd thing. I, I, I had a lot of dealings with them when I was very young, and I played a D&D campaign called The Night Below, which was just under dark and water uh, and right, Aboleth. Yeah. And it went on forever. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of Aboleth in that. And then we need a, and then we need a, a reward or revelation. A corgi called Gerald. That's a corgi called Gerald, and you love the corgi. But it turns out the corgi was uh, was it, it, it isn't. Well, yeah, he was he, he was mind controlling the mind controlling Aboleth. And now he is surface bound. You're taking maybe, him to rule his. Area maybe let's him. not have a corgi because that's lovely. But like, I, I love it. But let's, let's try and actually plot an adventure because because okay. we're nearly there. Yeah, we are. Um, I'm thinking Cursed Treasure Yep uh, There's Cursed Treasure which um, is so heavy that anyone that it always sinks and, and anyone touching it can't swim up Oh that's good So and it's Then you've there. got asshole players like I teleport it Okay cool If you want I'm to that's it. fine <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell it to a man on a boat and kill him I'm going to make but, this into the figurehead for a mast I mean that, but I, that's kind of an awesome thing. I think, like, to, to give them something to play with in that way. And that, and that um, RPG, um, Reddit RPG, is, is 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 a very quick way to plot a, an evening's entertainment. Yeah, so you have five Although, things with a twist at you, the end. If you do something like you've got an infection down there that you then bring to the surface, you've mm-hmm. got a start of a campaign. Yeah, that's fun. Oh, we have a left infection. Mm. Oh, he's that's got not, protein. We get treated with antibiotics, is it? No, sir. Now, I believe we have one final question from old friend Turb. Turb's question of the week. Who says, Help with antagonist design for my Feng Shui game set around a post-apocalyptic ballet school. Thank you, Turb. I'm getting... I'm getting... I want you to imagine a really harsh ballet instructor. Like, whip-thin. Talking, like, mid-50s. Hair tied back in a bun. Like, like dangerously tight. Dangerously tight, um, like like. What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, stark makeup choices, but she is a robot. She is a Russian nuclear powered robot, um, and she is uh, in, and she is here to make sure you dance properly, and she will kill you if necessary to make sure you dance properly. <laughs> you see, you see, mine was was fairly similar. Mm-hmm. However, rather than being like a whip thin. Um, ballet instructor. She, mm-hmm. the concept is like Russian agricultural machinery. Oh, but still a ballet instructor. But still a ballet instructor and impossibly graceful. <laughs> but very loud. But very loud, like cranking oh, and whirring. Oh, so loud! Spraying petrol out of valves, <laughs> but it can balance on you know a, a washing line. It's all gyroscopes and whirring machinery. I think you could also have a um, a biosculpting tech um, group of antagonists who uh, have kind of like Mad Max Junker vehicles, but they're they're they're, they're half made out of flesh, yep. and they're after the super powerful leg tendons from ballet dancers. Or 
you can have suspension. a sort of uh, bizarrely purity-driven group mm-hmm. uh, who do stuff like foot binding and things like that, mm. but they but they bind people into the shape of ballet dancers. Oh, that's kind of, or, or like or like in, into stranger shapes rather than just foot binding. Yeah, like, but like, 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 like the, whole, the whole body. The, the, yeah, like the the classic one is that they, these people always walk on their tiptoes. Mm. Like they don't need shoes. Yeah, that's just the shape of their feet. Maybe um, there was that brilliant video which was supposed to show a lady dancing on on, on knives on yeah. top of a piano, which unfortunately wasn't quite real. But maybe maybe wonderful. people with knives knives taped to their feet. We thought yeah. of that. Turb. Watch that video instantly. It's very good. Mm. It's ballet knives feet. That, that should get you it. Yeah. Um, like that thing out of Mad Max, but instead of a guitarist strapped to the top of a truck, it's an organ player. Yeah, actually, a go-go. Uh, that is no. It'd have to be a whole orchestra for ballet. What music yeah. does ballet use? I've never seen ballet. Accordion. An accordion player. Yep. Just like just like a really greasy one-eyed accordion player. Yep. <laughs> Hello, girls. I might be confusing that with Morris dancing. I think those are different things. Yeah, just. Um, Morris dancers. <laughs> it's just Morris dancers, the most post-apocalyptic Morris dancers. Imagine that, though, right? Oh, so, like, you, like waving you their take... flayed skin hankies, and like they've got um, they've got a maypole, and like they've got like like um, people tied up to the maypole, and they're sort of slowly twisting them round on leather straps. Oh, just yeah, tightening the leather straps every time round. <laughs> Let's end it, Chris. I want to say that last uh, last episode when I when I did my sign off and I, I I told the listener that I loved them very much that I don't think I went far enough. I want to say to you, listener, you mean so much to me and Chris. We, as a single entity, love and adore you. Every time that we see that you stop listening to this podcast or maybe every time you don't recommend it to a friend our hearts break we feel hurt inside and out and that's that's because we love you that's because you are the most important thing in our lives and we would give we would give anything to be in your ears every single week from now on so thank you for subscribing if you subscribe. Thank you for carrying us around in your pocket. Keep in your phone. Pocket. Chris, you're really not you're not uh, lending weight to I'll my heart to, to art. You're taking weight away from my heartfelt declaration of love. Shoulder the burden. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. I love you. And if I wasn't married to a dog and my wife... Oh, no, my, dog, my dog's dead. Um, I would marry you, 100%. Um, but my poor my poor dog's dead, and I can't marry you. But Jesus, I would. You're so beautiful today. Mm-hmm. Have you done a swing with your hair? You look great. It's fantastic. It just looks... It just mm, You're looking fantastic. Anyway, point is, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and subscribing and telling a friend about it and writing us reviews and all those lovely things and, and sending, sending us questions. questions. Yeah, thank you for sending you questions for as well. Um, we uh, we are Grant Havitt and Christopher Taylor. and Collectively. Now you know. Now you know. Now you know. 